Welcome, my friends, to the Bob and Brad podcast, produced by Bob and Brad, the two most famous physical therapists on the internet. I am Bob, and exactly one half of the Bob and Brad team. And my guest today is Dr. Joseph Allen, an optometrist from Minnesota, by the way. And he has a great YouTube channel called Dr. Ihel. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about his background, but he's got a lot of great advice for you. If you have one or two eyes, I would check it out. Thanks for watching. Welcome to the program, Dr. Allen. Hello, and thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, again, the pleasure is on our end. Um, I really enjoy your channel, by the way. Um, really done professionally. Uh, really, you get the great detail. I mean, and you're a pleasant personality. <laughs> so thank you so much. It means a lot hearing that, uh, especially early on. I was very self conscious about how this looks. I didn't know how to, how to make educational content on camera uh and i'm sure you guys have gone through those uh, oh yeah those learning curves so yeah it was yeah we started 11 years ago and it was a it was a mess to start. <laughs> and thankfully we had a lot of time to work on it but um yours is um dr i health correct yeah and, that's right and really uh I, I really recommend for people to check it out because it's fantastic so uh, you know, while we start off, I maybe if you could give me a little of your backstory, Dr. Allen, and tell us a little about you. About you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so I grew up here in Minnesota, uh, and probably since I was a young kid, about age of six, seven years old, I got glasses and then got contacts in junior high. Uh, and I always loved seeing my eye doctors. So once I got to high school and started thinking about college, I eventually went uh, with the idea that maybe eye care was what I wanted to do. I got my pre-med education at St. John's University in the College of St. Benedict's here in Minnesota. Then I traveled down to San Antonio, Texas to the Rosenberg School of Optometry. And that was another four years. Uh, which I did, and I did well uh, education-wise. You know, it was really a high, hyper-focused four years. Um, I graduated magna cum laude and salutatorian from that institution, then did my residency back here in Minnesota at the VA Medical Center in Minneapolis. And since then, I've primarily worked in private practice. And uh, about 2017, 2018, I found myself wanting to start a kind of TV channel about eye care just to share public knowledge to help people learn about different eye diseases, the treatments that are available, uh, different eye, eye and vision products that exist and kind of breaking down what's better quality, what's poor quality, what may work better for you. And uh, that's led me all the way here today to today. And I'm still doing all that. Yeah, it's funny. If you have any eyes, you should check out his channel because you don't think you're this still would pertain to you, but it does. I mean, everything he talks about. So um, the private practice is your private practice or somebody else's? No, I've always worked as an associate doctor for someone else. Uh, it's certainly been a thought of opening my own private practice. Uh, however, I just, you know, life is busy. And it's, yeah, as it I know you guys know, running, uh, sharing, producing, whether it be podcasts, video content, um, it, it takes a lot. It's like a business. Yeah, on right. its own. It, it's a business on its own. Uh, I had a private practice, but I'm since retired from that. So mm -hmm. I understand completely. So, um, well, I'm going to go to the first question. It's going to be a selfish question because I, I have eye floaters in mm -hmm. one eye 
I got probably about three years ago and I looked it up and it made it sound like it was really a problem. Um, so I've kind of adapted to it, but how do you get rid of eye floaters? So that's a really common question uh, as you know, first off is understanding like you did, you researched and figured out, hey, what are these things? What am I experiencing? I think a big thing is just understanding floaters are a normal occurrence. Uh, a lot of people, if you're not sure if you've experienced them, especially on like if it's a blue sky day, if you look outside, right. you look kind exactly. of side to side. That's exactly it. You see those little floating spots. They look like gnats almost. You maybe think that there's bugs flying around yeah. you. Uh, those little spots are really shadows uh, of light that are being cast onto the retina inside the eye by clumps of collagen and protein fibers trapped within the gel on the inside of the eye. Mm. And so those little floaters, you know, when you're young, a lot of children and young adults don't really have them, but as you get older, they are more common to be found, um, sure. especially over the age of 50. Uh, and the older you get, the more common, more likely you are to have them. There we them. go. <laughs> Makes sense. So thankfully they are not typically a medical emergency unless somebody has all of a sudden hundreds of them. Uh, sure. You know, one, one day it goes from nothing to all of a sudden you're seeing many of them. It looks like a snow globe maybe, uh, or if they're associated with flashes of light or any loss of vision, gotcha. if somebody has that, then they of course want to contact uh, an eye care professional right away just to be seen so that the doctor can inspect the back of the eye as these floaters, this gel inside of the eye changes the interface, the connection of the gel to the retina can separate kind of like you're peeling Velcro. That's how I like to describe it. But unfortunately, when that gel separates, it can tug on the retina and sometimes cause a hole or a tear in the retina, Sure, which then allows fluid to seep behind the retina and cause mm -hmm. retinal detachment, which if not caught early, uh, can lead to vision loss and blindness for some people. So again, if somebody's listening to this and they gotcha. just recently saw that, uh, like a sudden change, then definitely contact your, your local eye care provider. Uh, otherwise, to get rid of floaters, because a lot of people come in, they're like, "I'm maybe like you have, you're like, I'm seeing these spots. They're kind of driving me crazy a little bit, right? Um, I've adapted. I, I mean, yeah. they don't bother me. Most people are like you, well, they learn to adapt and they usually get better when you first notice them, they usually improve over the first six months. Uh, people either adapt to it, they get used to it, or they maybe drift out of view a little bit and you don't sure. notice them as much. For the people who are really bothered by them, like you have trouble functioning, driving, um, being able to see you know, enough to in order to live your daily life, then there are some operations, some surgical operations to remove them. There are, the oldest one is called a vitrectomy. And that's where a surgeon will surgically remove the gel from inside the eye and replace it with an alternative fluid. That does remove all of the floaters. Most surgeons though, don't like to do that procedure. Sure. <laughs> it comes with some risks. Uh, namely, if you still are phacic, meaning you have the natural crystalline lens you were born with, you are going to rapidly develop a cataract afterward. Oh, wow. So uh, there, there is some connection between the gel inside the eye 
providing a lot of nutritional content to the crystalline lens inside the eye. So once you do start to develop floaters in this gel separation, you rapidly begin to develop a cataract. And so if you, and this, and just the surgical procedure causes a lot of inflammation, which also speeds up cataract development. Uh, and most surgeons don't like to do that procedure because there is always about a 2% risk of uh, having like either an infection or some sort of retinal tear or detachment just due to the procedure. Sure. And nothing's worse to uh, an eye surgeon than uh, for someone to come in with relatively 20-20 vision, but symptomatic for floaters. They do that procedure and oh no, now they caused a retinal detachment and now they have permanent vision loss. That doesn't look of good for, for liability. <laughs> yeah, even 2% is high. Yeah, it's higher than zero. A lot higher than zero. Uh, And then the other procedure, which is come, is a little bit newer, is using a a laser called a YAG laser to uh, do what's called laser vitriolysis. Which I have a few. I have videos on this, but uh, they they use the laser to zap the large floaters in the view uh, of your vision. They don't 100% get rid of all the floaters, but they do disperse them. They make them much smaller, less noticeable. And um, that's currently the two uh, at least most commonly used procedures to help people with their floaters. So, Dr. Allen, I I only have it one eye. Is that common? You know, it starts, it's usually asymmetric. So it's starting usually in one eye and then the other eye may follow. Sure. Um, and I, I haven't done an examination on your eyes, but I imagine uh, your eye doctor has probably seen at least the beginning or some development of uh, the floaters developing in the other eye that you're not really experiencing it in. So something else to look forward to as I got older. You, so. you can learn. I try to make friends with them, right? Some yeah, people yeah. I know they name them because they oh, see them funny. all the time. <laughs> Oh, there is. Okay. Well, very good. Um, Let's move on to the next topic. Uh, Let's talk about dry eyes. This is something I had in my 30s and I no longer suffer from it, but I think I would would fall asleep and I I would be one of those guys that could sleep with my eyes open. Oh, wow. (laughs) Weird. My wife would always give me a hard time, but I I think I uh, lay on my side more Mm -hmm. now. Can I, can I ask you uh, what helped you think from the moment you had it in your thirties to where you're at now? What do you think has changed in your yeah. lifestyle that has helped you? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I took t- drops at the time, which mm-hmm. I see now from your, what, what, um, your channel that not, not necessarily the best thing to do the type of drops I was taking anyway. So no, it just stopped. I don't know. I would wake up and you have that real gritty feeling. I mean, it, it was awful. Yeah, it's it's a significant problem, and it's honestly getting worse. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, a big connection to people having worse dry eye is because of our computer and digital life use. Oh, sure. Um, I think, you know, certainly being on the computer and has always been something that's caused, that's been a significant effect toward dry eye. But now that smartphones have come out and people are basically walking around staring at their phone almost all day, uh, that is con- having more of a significant contribution to it. Gotcha. Uh, part of the reason, and I have, again, videos that go more in depth on this that try to explain why people are having such dry eye problems. Sure. The link behind computer use is that we tend to stare and focus very intensely at computer screens. And so we don't blink as often. Our blink gotcha. rate drops about four to five times lower while we're on a digital device. 
And if we're not blinking as much, your eyes are open. So your tear film evaporates rather quickly. And then with your eyelids not blinking as often, it, it often there's oil glands within your eyelids that need to pump. And these oils are getting excreted to prevent your tear from evaporating. And long-term, the chronic issue that we're seeing in the eye clinic these days is that because these oil glands aren't functioning, they're starting to cap off, meaning they're getting clogged. Oh my gosh. And then they begin to atrophy. Mm. So the oil glands then start to die off. And unfortunately, right now we have no, um, there's basically no evidence of any way that we can get them to grow back. So that's a big challenge because once somebody's glands are dead, so people will come to us, you know, they're like, I'm having dry eyes and they're in their maybe late forties or fifties. And then we do a scan of of the eye called a mybography and we can see these oil glands and measure how much oil is being produced on the eye. And they've already lost like 70% of their oil glands. And it's like, you know, we can't do anything about that right now. The best we can do is prevent the few glands that are still alive to keep, you know, prevent them from dying off and do what we can to kind of recover the status of the eye. But uh, yeah, that's just a kind of a a little insight into why a lot of people these days, uh, even myself, I'm only in my thirties, but I played a lot of video games growing up. Sure. And uh, I didn't blink very much. <laughs> well, I, so, saw, I saw yeah. one on your YouTube channel where you talked about you blink only half. Your mm-hmm. eye goes down halfway. I don't know how you knew that. but I, I first found out because my own, uh, when I was in optometry school, my other classmates, you know, we learn about this in school and then there we practice on each other. Oh, I see. Uh, that's how you learn. You you show up after class in the, in the, eye, in the mock eye clinics and then sure. uh, you kind of train on each other and my other classmates are like wow you you only kind of half blink you partial blink and it is a common thing we now use instruments in some clinics to measure uh how often you blink because you don't even realize it and people are just their eyelids only come down about 50 to maybe 70 percent of the way leaving you know about 30 percent of the eye still exposed to to the air sure Uh, and that also affects your meibomian glands because your glands only 100 percent release when your eyelids 100% close. So that also plays a role in it. So is there anything that you can do to help this problem? I mean, mm-hmm. use glasses or, I mean, <laughs> you know, glasses really don't play too much of a role unless you're outside in the, the wind. I mean, that, that can have an effect on it. Sure. Uh, dry eye is a very complex disease. Uh, I think the best thing for people uh, who are, you know, especially if they don't want to take medications, because we thankfully now do have medications to help with dry eye, but a lot of people don't want to take medications. They want to sure. do what they can. Lifestyle. I always am trying to educate my patients about just lifestyle is yes, a big exactly. factor. Uh, one thing like myself, blinking more, remembering that you need to blink, uh, which is really tough. There's really no good way to train someone to blink more other than just being more aware of it. Uh, I myself play a game. Whenever I'm driving, <laughs> I, whenever I'm at a red light, it's like my red light challenge. Uh, when I see a red light, I forcefully blink my eye on, off, on, off, oh, on, sure. off. Until I see that the light has turned green, then of course I'm paying attention more there. But uh, it's kind of just a game to train myself. Hey, just remember I need to blink and give my eyes that lubrication. Uh, drinking more water, staying hydrated. I think a lot of us, 
like myself, I get into a habit of drinking coffee and tea and uh, mm-hmm. I have to just reach for a glass of water and stay yeah. hydrated. Uh, that can play a role. There's actually research going into it right now. I'm aware of, uh, of their, them trying to quantify the relationship between hydration and tear production. Uh, I don't know the results yet, <laughs> but uh, at least sure. from what I've heard from some of the researchers that they have good evidence to kind of give more of a baseline recommendation. So that will be coming out soon. Uh, having humidifiers here in the winter in Minnesota, it's super dry out uh, outside sure. in the air. It's dry inside. It's sometimes worse because our furnaces are on. And uh, I know I used to do some uh, senior home care. I used to go to uh, do eye exams in a couple of different senior homes. And it's, it's incredibly dry in a lot of those, those yes. homes. Yes. Uh, and so uh, I, uh, I've recommended some people to think about getting a humidifier, trying to keep the humidity at a more tolerable level in a room, especially if you're in an office or a bedroom. Um, Omega threes is a, is a topic of discussion in eye care. Uh, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on omega threes. There, there's a lot of research out there and in the eye care community, there's some back and forth, um, depending on which studies, uh, and people get really nitty gritty about the brand that was used and the form that was used, but the large overall consensus is that, uh, either diets that have higher amount of omega threes in them naturally, either through oily fish or maybe flaxseed vegetables, uh, walnuts, those sort of sources, uh, as well as fish oil supplements do play a role in management of uh, ocular surface disease, dry eyes, ocular rosacea. So yeah, I'm always a big fan, but I tend to try to get it naturally. I mean, mm-hmm. not as a supplement. So in, and there's more interest, uh, more focus on omega-3s also in other parts of the eye, namely diabetic retinopathy and macular degeneration. That may also play a role Um as far as dry eyes, other things that people should be doing, which often people don't, is cleaning their eyelids. Uh, oh, really? Well, if you imagine, you know, we're, we're kind of trained even as a young kid. Okay, you got to bathe, got to wash your face, right. wash your hair, but no one wants soap in their eyes. It even says right on the bottle, like, do not right. get in your eyes. So a lot of people neglect to clean their eyelids. And uh, probably starting around the age of 13, 14, uh, you know, we'll start fitting contact lenses in kids and I'll start to notice like they have oil building up on their eyelashes. Uh, They start to have dead skin cells that are flaking off of their eyelids and that causes uh, inflammation and it attracts bacteria and it's more likely to cause uh, toxic reactions to the tear film. Uh, we can literally see saponification, uh, soap production on the tear film because the presence of this bacteria releasing toxins into the tear film. And because uh, it mixes with the oil of the oil glands, right? And then sure. that causes a saponification process. Uh, and if you imagine you did get soap in your eye, it burns. So a lot of people experience burning of their eyes because of this. Sure. Cleaning the eyelids on a daily basis uh, is a really good thing. Uh, there's different ways to do it, uh, especially for uh, like lady patients, any females who wear makeup. Um, I should say anybody who wears makeup, really, uh, because uh, makeup not only tends to trap a lot of that on the eye and it gets really difficult to get off, but uh, some makeup products, cosmetics, they have ingredients in them that are further linked to issues with uh, the dermatology and the skin of the eyelid and maybe even causing 
enhancing or accelerating the death of the oil glands in the eyelids. So uh, cleaning the eyelids, there are different ways to do that, namely through eyelid cleaning shampoos, uh, scrubs that are available. Um, and many more products are coming out now, especially ones that are more skin or eye friendly that have less preservatives in them and um, are better for just keeping, because you don't want, you don't want to just clean the eyelid and leave it dry. Kind of like if you're washing your hands sure. too many times, sure. you know how dry your skin can get. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so there, there, there's more newer formulations coming out that are not just good at cleaning the eyelids, but also very safe for the eyelid too. So those there's are a really, few options. Really a big movement towards uh, trying to get clean products, especially uh, makeup. I mean, yeah. And, and part of that, part of that has to do with the regulation to my understanding uh, here in the United States versus some other countries. Uh, sure. I, I understand in, in Europe, the, there's a lot stronger um, regulation on what ingredients are in cosmetics versus uh, the United States has very few regulation on that. Sure. Uh, there are, behind. what was that? No, a little bit behind. Like oh yeah. Sure. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see more and more of that coming out. I know there are some makeup lines specifically uh, designed and engineered by eye care professionals, uh, optometrists and ophthalmologists that have dug really into the research of this. Oh, great. Um, that's all based off of large scale uh, publications on dry eye disease. Um, Good. Yeah. So a lot more coming out in that. Another big thing that I, I try to, you know, I do touch on a little bit with my patients and that's uh, kind of connection, connecting inflammation to dry eye disease because that's a big fire starter in the dry eye paradigm is that people, you have start having dryness on the surface, which causes irritation and damage to the cells of the surface of the eye. Your body then tries to fix that by causing, uh, releasing inflammatory proteins. Sure. But the inflammatory proteins themselves end up causing disturbance of the ocular surface, which ends up just becoming this cyclical problem. Yeah, it's a bad cycle. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I, I do encourage people to try and eat uh, a low inflammatory diet, uh, focusing more on plants. Uh, there are different vitamins, again, kind of like omega-3s that some different research has implicated to be good. Uh, when it comes to supplements... Uh, there are different products that are on the market. I myself am still diving into the research to understand more of it. I'm very cautious about who's publishing those reports because right. a lot of a lot of the companies that make those publications, they also happen to be the, the, a lot of right. companies that make the products sponsor those studies. So exactly. I, I'm always trying to keep suspect. an open mind about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, I I've been doing more research on that. And I actually hope this year to have a more uh, fully flushed out series on uh, vitamins and as well as diet and how that affects eye health in different parts of the eyes. Yeah. Keep an eye on uh, Dr. Eye on, uh, Dr. <laughs> Allen's uh, YouTube channel, Dr. Eye Health. Um, check it out if you haven't already. Um, let's go on to the next topic. Um, let's talk about cataracts. We have a lot of elderly people in our, hmm. in our, population as far as uh, YouTube. Uh, so yeah. uh, what are they? How do you treat them? So cataracts you know. are, are one of the most common things uh, that develop inside the eye. Uh, it's kind of like gray hair. If you, <laughs> it's always it's gonna, funny to me. We asked, all of, 
We always yeah. ask our patients uh, if cataracts runs in your family, it's part of our standard protocol. But I always kind of laugh at that because if you live long enough, you will get yeah. some level of cataracts. It's like arthritis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Arthritis, gray hair, something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, so inside of the eye, there is a crystalline lens. And this lens is nice, crystal clear when you are young, or for most people, it's possible to be born with a cataract. But this crystalline lens is flexible. It is clear as a young age. But every year of life, it grows a little bit larger, a little bit larger. And by the time most people are in their maybe 50s, they start to see a almost yellowing color of this lens inside the eye. And as eye doctors, we can see this. Uh, but if you keep getting older, and a couple other factors influence this, but the lens starts to become foggy and opaque. And if you're somebody who is developing a cataract, this happens so slowly over years, you usually don't realize it's happening. If you notice any symptoms, you just notice your vision's more blurry, or some people describe it as if they have like a, pay, a piece of like fogged glass over their vision uh, or, or something has grown over their vision. That's what they often describe to me. Uh, but this cataract, which funny enough, the name uh, is derived from the white frothy appearance of uh, a waterfall, right? Oh. Uh, if you've ever seen that, if you've gone to a waterfall and it just right. looks more white kind of color, that's that's what a cataract is. And that's why it's called that inside the eye, because once a cataract develops, it turns white. Uh, and again, with your vision really fuzzy, you can't really see. So in third world countries, it is a common cause of blindness because if they don't have access to surgery, then it's tough for them to see well. So uh, I even myself go on mission trips a couple of times uh, with some surgeons and they'll do cataract surgeries basically the whole time in oh, third great. world countries. But uh, thankfully, in uh, more first world countries, people who have access to healthcare, uh, cataract surgery is uh, thankfully one of the most successful surgeries that exists across all of medicine. Uh, it's very fast and efficient, and it takes you longer to get ready for the surgery than it takes to complete <laughs> the surgery. So um, thankfully, uh, you know, when it comes to cataract surgery, it takes about an hour to get somebody ready to have the procedure. It takes about 10, 15 minutes for that procedure wow. to be finished. Most people at the end of recovery, because it takes some time, there's inflammation afterward uh, and you're often using eye drops. It usually takes about three to four weeks for the eye to be more or less fully healed from cataract surgery. Uh, with the surgery, because they took this lens out of the eye, which has power to it, they now do an implant of a plastic replacement lens inside the eye, gotcha. which, which they try to account for your glasses prescription, any prescription that may be needed. And uh, for most people, you know, they may have a very minimal glasses prescription left over, or they're just relying on like over-the-counter reader glasses. And for the few people who, you know, if, if people want to invest money out of pocket, because here in the United States, a lot of people, insurance will cover that. If you have a cataract that's causing blurred vision, most insurances will cover that procedure. If, uh, if you want, you can get higher technology class lenses. They now have multifocal lenses. 
uh, or if you have a toric, uh, if you have astigmatism, if your doctors ever told you you have a, lot, a large amount of astigmatism, they do have toric implants to account for that as well. Wow. So um, those usually, again, cost a little bit more out of pocket. Or if you want to go with a procedure that involves using laser instead of more of the uh, little bit older technology, which both are still good, but uh, there's different um, packages that some surgeons will offer um, if people are interested in maybe not having to rely on glasses as much after the procedure. So both eyes done at the same time. I mean, usually, I'm... funny enough, usually not. It's usually one eye at a time. Oh, it is. But but there are some. Uh, newer publications of surgeons throughout the country trying to do two at the same time. And so that might change in the future. But gotcha. one of the reasons why they often don't is because what happens if something, so oh, what, if, right. what happens if something goes wrong in the procedure? Right, right. Makes <laughs> you know, sense. if you're doing, if you're doing one eye at a time, you know, thankfully, you know, you right. have the other eye, but if you're doing it on both eyes, then, you know, uh, so. Good point. Good point. So. Very good. Um, let's move on. Um, I want to skip to this one. Um, if you have trouble sleeping, do you need blue light glasses? We mm. actually had someone on our program who talked about light. So we actually, my daughter got some blue light glasses and it helped her sleep immen uh, immensely. Yeah. It was amazing. I mean, it is. Uh, there is. So there is in the blue light world, there's a lot of blue light glasses and you, maybe you've seen advertisements on this either online uh, or maybe you've heard your doctor talk about it. Right. There are three major discussions about blue light in the eye care world. Uh, and one that has the most scientific validity to it is the effect of sleep cycles. Sure. The retina has a certain cell in it. Uh, the, I want to say, in, uh, it's a very fancy term, uh, but it's an intrinsically like activated photoreceptor, a ganglion cell. Uh, this uh, is more sensitive to light in the blue light zone, but this receptor doesn't necessarily give you eyesight. It speaks to other parts of the brain, primarily on your sleep-wake cycle. So if you are somebody who is constantly being exposed to blue light, whether it be natural from the sunlight or artificial from your computer screen, from bright LED lights in your, uh, in your home or your office, sure. especially after the sun goes down, because right. for how many years our, our species was used to seeing sunlight and then the sun went down and that tells your brain to say, hey, sun's not out. You need to make melatonin, you need to get ready for bed, you need to sleep. Yeah. And now you're just staring at these screens all night. <laughs> right. You're telling your brain, no, the sun is still out. The sun is still out. Uh, and so your brain's not getting that trigger to start producing melatonin the right way. And they have studies on that. They have been able to show that uh, artificial blue light has the ability to reduce and delay melatonin production into the evening. I, I personally always try to advocate, you know, the impossible, which is try to shut off the screens in right. the evening, uh, you know, put away your phone, and maybe not stare. That includes TV, right? Especially the newer screens, uh, you know, our computer screens, uh, TV screens are all made of the same thing. Now they're all sure. LED plasma screens. Um, right. So uh, that's, that's the challenge is that you know, we're still getting that dose of some blue light exposure uh, and most people's 
indoor lighting is now switching to high efficient LED bulbs, which do have even more blue light exposure than uh, emittance than a lot of standard older um, kind of incandescent lights. Right. So the big thing is number one is prevention is always trying to be mindful, reduce screen time, um, maybe dim the lights there or switch your indoor lightings to more of the yellow filter lights in the evening. And there's some lights that do that. You can able to switch it from being more of a blue, vibrant indoor lighting during the day. And then the evening, they kind of dim to kind of the romantic mode. If you've ever been in a sure. restaurant where it's, it's kind of sure. yellow and a little bit dimmer. But then there's blue light glasses and blue light filter glasses, blue light blocking glasses. There's all these different terms for them. These lenses can filter out blue light to some extent. Most are not 100% blue light because there is a beneficial aspect to blue light. It wakes you up in the morning. Sure. It makes you more alert. So uh, there, there isn't a strong consensus in the medical community yet on the proper amount of um, blue light exposure you want in the morning versus the evening. But uh, whether it be a strong placebo effect or not, a lot of people do claim that the blue light glasses help them, especially for their sleep um, and even eye strain to some degree. So my daughter also uses uh, red bulbs. Mm. Yeah, she's got the glasses and some red bulbs. That... I've heard about that. Okay. Um, yeah, there's some there's some different research in uh, just switching out the light bulbs and right. being better for their sleep and their sleep quality and sleep yeah, plays such just, a big role. Yeah, just to, in the evening. And maybe it is, again, placebo, like you said, but... It's working right now, so we're, <laughs> we're happy. So, yeah. All right, thank you. Very good information. Uh, let's go on to um, a big one that s seems like a lot of people are worried about is uh, bags under their mm -hmm. eyes when, even though they had a good night's sleep. You know, right. So there, bags under the eyes. There's different different types of terms people will use for this, and there are different types of eye bags. Um, but the, the tough thing is, is that when you're really young, your eyes may look more sunken in or swollen, uh, especially if you um, are around allergies, if you have dry eyes, perhaps uh, the salt content staying on the eye from the evaporation of the tears in the dry eye world can cause irritation, inflammation. So eyelids can look puffy and swollen. Uh, a lot of people notice this in the early mornings. So sure. that, that can have that appearance. For most people, as we get older, though, uh, there is a layer of tissue around your eye that holds the eye in its place, as well as the fat around the eyes. That's called the septum. And so for a lot of older individuals, this tissue becomes more elastic and starts to kind of bend outward. So the fat around the globe of the eye start to push against this elastic tissue and it starts to bulge outward. And just due to gravity, this happens on the lower eyelid more than it would on the top eyelid. And so people start to see these eye bags and they get really frustrated because uh, it makes their appearance look more tired or uh, older. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, so thankfully, you know, if your eyes are just puffy, you know, from either you cried the night before you watched a really sad movie or you have allergies, uh, cold compresses do help just getting cold to them. Just like if you have inflammation of your elbow or something, it's a little bit swollen, getting cold to that helps. The uh, antihistamines, if it's an allergy, can help as well. 
there's some you know cost uh, cost benefit to that uh, if you're using antihistamines because that can also dry out the eyes, <laughs> dry yeah. out the body. So it may or may not help. But uh, so there's some rules to that. And that kind of goes to what everybody thinks. They think, oh, I'll put cold cucumbers on the eye. I saw that in a TV right, show or something right. at a spa once. And that's what it's doing. It's it's really adding the the temperature difference is going to constrict the or, blood vessel. Uh, cold spoons, right? You right. Yeah. Yeah. Right, um, yeah. That was a, that's, you know, I've seen some funny tricks on that uh, online. And so you have to kind of comment on that. But it's just about getting cold there to constrict the blood vessels. Sure. Uh, and that helps with the inflammation. The true eye bags that people develop as they get older. Unfortunately, there's really nothing to get rid of that long-term other than uh, to have a surgery done to more or less tighten up the eyelids. Gotcha. There are different serums and creams that are always sold online. It's like, oh, act now and get you know for this cream for $11 or $15. They often do help momentarily. They just tighten up the skin. Sure. Uh, but they don't last long-term. It's not going to get rid of it forever. Um when you say so, momentarily, you mean an hour or? Yeah, uh, it usually lasts for a few hours. I personally haven't. Yeah. I, I think I've tried one or two of them just because I was going to talk about it and I felt sure. like I needed to investigate it myself more. And it does tighten up your skin. Uh, I even know some uh, cosmetic surgeons who formulate and sell this themselves because some people just don't want to go through surgery. It's like, well, we have to give them some alternative. Sure. Um, and in general, the eye care community, again, we're a little hesitant about cosmetics right now. So uh, I don't typically recommend them to anybody, but sure, it is an alternative. Makes sense. Well, this next topic is, um, is an option that's always offered to me when I buy glasses. And I didn't know what they were. It, hmm. What it is, is anti-reflective coating. coating. Yeah. So I always thought, oh, is it like a undercoating for a car? I mean, is it a scam or? <laughs> no, it's a, it's a good question. I think, you know, again, that's part of the reason why I started my YouTube channel was to help educate people what these things are and the options that are available. Because right. if you're not, if you're not in the optical world, if you don't, you have no idea. Um, yep. And so I, I wanted to break things down and literally show people what it is they could be investing in. Uh, so anti-reflective or non-glare coating is a real thing in the optical world. And it's not just eye care and glasses. This anti-reflective coating is on the all the camera lenses. Uh, if you buy a high-end camera, DSLR camera, they're on those camera lenses. Mm. They are even on the camera lenses in the cell phone that you have. Uh, on the webcam I'm using right now, these anti-reflectives are on there too. The the big issue with all reflectile, any sort of glass, like uh, you have light that hits the front surface of the glass, it bounces off. But then the light also penetrates through that glass and the back surface of the glass light ref also reflects off that black surface because it's a change of interface. And that can not only cosmetically not look good. So if you're wearing glasses that don't have anti-reflective, and you're like outside and lights and everything, people are just going to see these reflections bounce off your glasses. They sure. won't be able to see your eyes. So there's a cosmetic benefit for it. But then optically, uh, you will get more light information to your eyes. And you usually notice less glare, uh, less kind of whitewashing of colors. Uh, and you typically are going to see sharper through those lenses. It's a 
I think the downside of anti-reflective, especially like like you said, if you go to buy glasses and you you feel like maybe is this a real thing? Am I just being right. upsold something? Right. Uh, there's a, a claim that these lenses will help you see better at nighttime and you'll have less problems with headlights. Now, I kind of personally kind of love hate that analogy because it, it is true. I think everybody has trouble with headlights okay, <laughs> when yes, they're driving exactly, at nighttime. Exactly. I think if you're somebody who doesn't need glasses, having glasses with an anti-reflective on it isn't going to necessarily get rid of those that glare or problem with headlights. It's not going to do that. But if you're somebody who does wear glasses and if you had to compare without anti-reflective to with anti-reflective, uh, you are probably going to have less symptoms, not of the headlights straight ahead of you, but headlights off to your side, mm -hmm. because the light coming in at obtuse angles is going to bounce off those lights and reflect back. Um, and, and that's going to cause more of a disturbance, but it's not as dramatic as a lot of the marketing companies make it out to be sure that's the one issue i have with it but uh the anti-reflective is a real thing and it does help you and there's different options out there too now um, because you can have anti-reflective with blue light filters you can have uh anti-reflectives that do more scratch protection you can have um anti-reflectives that really help like 30 percent less reflections versus a standard one so there's different options out there yeah, actually, if you go to the Dr. Allen's channel, his YouTube channel, Dr. Eye Health, um, I, I saw one point where you were comparing one to another. I mean, mm -hmm. anti-reflective against not. And it was quite a difference. Yeah. There was a lot more reflection. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, the thing is that it's come a long way uh, in technology. Um, anti-reflective coatings are put on through metal oxides that are more or less vacuum uh, compressed onto the lenses. It's like incorporated into the lens material these days versus it was like 30, 40 years ago. It used to be something that was kind of like painted onto the surface of the lens. Right. It's not quite like that anymore. Yep. I remember having glasses where they, something was kind of peeling off. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if that was it, but it, it very well could have been. Um, there are certain lens uh, lens treatments that are used to be kind of more put onto the lenses in that form, but now everything these days is usually kind of incorporated into the lens material itself. Sure, sure. Let's uh, talk about eyeglasses. Um, do what is the right way and the wrong way to clean your glasses? Right, it's like one of the most simple things, right? Yeah, but, it uh, is. It's something you're never really taught by an eye care professional, right? Uh, the uh, most people I know, even myself uh, in the younger days would be like, oh, uh, you know, in a, in a pinch, I would just breathe on the lens and then clean it with my shirt. Right, right. Downside of that is your shirt and everything is usually not very clean and you're likely going to scratch your glasses with whatever's, whatever's on that fabric. The uh, glasses cleaners that you can purchase, either uh, whether it's from your optical online uh, or even make it your own because they're very simple. It's usually water, dish soap, uh, and a bunch of uh, like rubbing alcohol, isopropyl alcohol. But uh, that does help quite a bit. The big thing that people forget about is the oils. There's a lot of oils on your skin and uh, that come either off your face or from your fingertips, touching your glasses, or if you put them up onto your head, the oils in your hair get on the lenses. And oils... So if you've tried to clean your glasses before and you just feel like they can never get clean, right. it's usually because they're covered in oil. Sure. And so 
the best, cheapest way to do that is a single dab of dish, dish soap. Put a single dab of dish soap on both sides of the lens, kind of rub it in there, and then just rinse that off with just warm water. Um, That's a great tip. It, it works great yeah. just getting those oils off. If you still feel like they're not fully clean, then uh, go ahead and use the, the standard glasses cleaner um, afterward. I think that, that gotcha. makes them look much nicer. I'll have to keep some uh, dish soap by my seat <laughs> upstairs. And uh, most opticals do that. In the back room, really? if you're at a glasses shop, they have like a small little soap bottle or dispenser just for cleaning glasses. Oh, <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Okay. Um, thank you for that. And yeah. uh, let's go, let's talk about sunglasses. Mm-hmm. I mean, just overall, what you want to talk to, uh, um, what you want to mention about them and Thank you. Yeah, I I personally am a huge sunglasses collector. I love sunglasses, uh, but they do have some health benefits to them. And, uh, you know, people just think, oh, it makes it look cool and they help with my light sensitivity. Uh, So when you're buying sunglasses, you want to be getting anything that says either 100% UV light protection, it'll say full UV light protection, or if you really find a brand that takes themselves seriously, they'll say like UV 400. And gotcha. 400 is the nanometers of light that kind of crosses over between UV light and into the visible blue light violet spectrum. The uh, UV light does affect our skin. Your eyelids are the thinnest skin on the body. And about 10% uh, or so of skin cancers actually will occur on that lower eyelid. Oh, gosh. Um, so sunlight protection for your skin is really important. And then sunlight can also cause sunburn or photokeratitis to the surface of the eye, as well as uh, pinguaculum, pterygium. These are growths that we see on the eye. And UV light plays a role in cataract development. So uh, wearing sunglasses is is definitely important. Um, Polarized lenses. Uh, polarized, you know, some people will see that also. Then they buy sunglasses and say polarized versus non-polarized sunglasses. Polarized lenses help reduce glare even more, especially okay. glare coming off of flat horizontal surfaces. So like water here in Minnesota, we're all on the lakes right. in the summer. Uh, polarized lenses cut out a vast majority of that glare of sunlight bouncing off the water. And so a lot of people, fishermen specifically, will uh, notice that they can see deeper into the water when they're wearing polarized sunglasses. Gotcha. The only people that usually don't want to wear polarized sunglasses are pilots. (laughs) And uh, maybe if you're a big rig ship captain, because a lot of the modern instruments uh, are now digital and digital screens do usually have a polarized filter on them. Even your computer screen, if you don't, if you have a pair of sunglasses that you love, but you're not sure if they're polarized or not, if you have a, a laptop or a computer screen, if you hold up those lenses in front of it and turn the lenses, you may see the the view through those lenses turn black and that's because the polarized filter in the sunglasses and the filter in the computer screen are now polarized against each other oh weird. they eliminate the glare from both and <laughs> you can't see through the lenses sure. so that's a that's a cool thing um for extra protection from sunlight try to get a wide wrap like the sporty wrap style ones uh, that's going to protect wind from getting in behind the lenses, but it's also going to prevent sunlight from bouncing off your cheeks and then bouncing off the back surface of the lens and then into your eye. So, so that's could be an extra benefit. Sure. sure. 
Uh, and if you really want uh, higher quality lenses for your sunglasses, you can look for that anti-reflective on the back surface of those sunglasses. So uh, even you'll, if you kind of get in really deep and you'll see in some of my videos uh, on sunglasses technology, um, higher quality lenses do have anti-reflective on them, but only on the back surface because you don't want to see a reflection of your own eyeball or again, light bouncing off of your cheek, hitting the, hitting the glasses and then bouncing back at your eye. You'd want to avoid that. So if they offer anti-reflective, is you going to be on the back surface? I mean, yeah, for um, usually the... It, usually it's not on the front surface of uh, the sunglasses. Um, they know enough. Yeah, it's it's usually, you know, there's other type of mirror finishes and, and things that can be put on the sunglasses, but the back yeah. surface, you want the anti-reflective. So I, I've had two people tell me, uh, that light expert and a doctor, that mm -hmm. you should, in the morning, actually be exposed to some sun without sunglasses. Do you, the, do you, do you agree with that or not? Uh, at least in the sense of blue light, um, uh, being out in the morning, seeing natural sunlight uh, does again train your, it, gets, it kind of alerts your brain. Hey, sunlight's out, uh, you know, shut down any sort of melatonin. It's time to be awake, be active. So there is that aspect. Um, in fact, that's part of the reason why people have that seasonal affect disorder and they have right. those li artificial lighting indoors. The, uh, there's different claims I've heard from people about UV light having other effects on the eyes and eye growth, or right. I, I have a hard time following that because it's just right now I've never seen research that really back that up. Um, so, so right now I think the biggest thing is blue light. And I think that plays a role. And when you first wake up in the morning, definitely try to get outside, see sunlight. If you have sunlight wherever you're, you're living. <laughs> right. Uh, well, I was told also that even a cloudy day is fine. Sure. Yeah. You, I mean, because UV light does get through the clouds um, sure. and certainly blue light does too. The, um, and that's a good note just to remember, Hey, it's a cloudy day. If you don't have sunscreen on or whatnot, you can still get sunburn sure. really Absolutely. nasty. <laughs> I have, I've done that. So, yeah. Um, why don't we finish by t talking about, um, maybe tips and eye exercises for eye strain mm. relief. Sure. Uh, so eye strain, I think a lot of people right now are having this since this has happened before the pandemic, but once the pandemic started and everyone was forced to be more indoors in front of computer screens, zoom meetings, people started really having issues with it. And certainly the blue light glasses game kind of boosted that the, the big thing with eye strain is that if you're indoors, if you're staring at a computer all day, it's like you're lifting a five pound weight with your arm and you're holding it halfway up and you're holding it there all day. You can likely do it, but after some time, your arm's going to get tired. Sure. And same thing happens with your eye muscles. So taking breaks is super important. And just remembering, hey, I should probably not stare at this screen for hours and hours and hours. So getting up, moving away from your office, your desk, uh, putting your phone down, uh, getting off the couch, walking around, using the bathroom. Um, those are big things. The dry eye plays a role in eye fatigue, again, because we don't blink as much. So making sure that your eyes aren't dry and too irritated. The There are some things you can do ergonomically with your, if you're at an office desk, 
Like right now, uh, I have my computer screen where the top of the screen is about eye level. Right. Uh, so you're kind of looking down a little bit, not necessarily perfectly straightforward, but a little bit downward too. That can help with eye strain. Your computer screen should be about an arm's length away. You can almost high five the screen. That is a good distance. Some people sit way too close. Uh, making sure you have updated glasses prescription or specific glasses for focusing on the computer because we can make an, a, a glasses prescription to help reduce the amount of ice um, kind of focusing power or muscle power required for you to be lifting to in order to focus on that distance for long periods of time. I got a pair of glasses for just computer use because mm -hmm. I have the bifocals and yeah. I have to go like this. Or, you know, it would cricked my neck and uh so mm -hmm. I, I was a game cheater for me i mean really i liked it i mean yeah once you get into the bifocal or progressive no line bifocal world yeah that i mean those lenses often have a sec a section or a segment to see computer screens but it's narrow it's it's not a very wide field and it, some people are sitting there trying to find the sweet spot you know in the lens and you're sure. exactly right they lift up their neck to see closer yep, and that's exactly. a, a neck issue so uh, I recommend that for my patients, especially if they're on, if they work on a computer, if they spend, you know, several hours a day on the computer, invest in a specific computer right, lens. Right, you'll have the exactly. whole lens to look through. You won't have to bend your neck uh, and you'll, you'll, things should be nice and clear uh, and you won't have to deal with that looking for the sweet spot aspect. Right. So that plays a role. Um as far as, you know, eye, eye exercises to help with eye strain, this is a tough one. Uh, in the eye care world, there is something called ortho care, uh, not ortho care, sorry, um, orthoptics or vision therapy, which is often used for people with eye muscle disorders. Uh, like they have a lazy eye that's turning outward. Um, they're having problems focusing up close because of the, the communication of the brain to the eye muscles and that coordination. So there's a lot of good evidence and science for that practice. But um, as far as eye strain goes, I think the biggest thing is just, again, taking a break, getting away from the computer. I encourage people to go for a walk outside. Absolutely. In, the, Absolutely. in, the, in Minnesota winter, it's a little tough sometimes, but right. getting outside, looking in the distance, uh, that's good for so many different aspects of your psychology, um, but certainly just for getting your eyes to stop focusing on a near object for hours and hours. Uh, and then other activities, uh, sports, anything where your eyes are shifting from left to right, you're playing tennis, you're playing basketball, uh, something a little bit more engaging. Ah. Uh, I think, I think those are just great activities, uh, for lifestyle and for helping you just reduce kind of this focused demand of your eyes for hours and hours. Um, I think those are some of the best. I know I have a sure. video that goes over a couple other um, non-traditional eye muscle exercises, just looking different directions. Sure. Uh, and I know some people give me good feedback that that does help, but it's not um, necessarily a guided studied method that's published in, in research, if that makes sense. Very good. Yes, that makes complete sense. Um, so I want to be very respectful of your time. So is there anything else you want to mention on this uh, podcast and YouTube video? Uh, yeah. Uh, I think the biggest message I always try to advocate for my patients is uh, eat healthy, <laughs> have good lifestyle sure. of eating healthy, uh, you know, vegetables, 
Uh, green leafy vegetables are in fact healthier for the eye than just eating carrots. Uh, getting good sleep, um, reducing stress in your life. There have been good studies linking increased levels of stress to higher levels of eye pressure, uh, and that increases your risk for glaucoma, which is a blinding disease. Um, eating, eating better also helps reduce your risk of macular degeneration. Um, seeing your eye doctor yearly is recommended because a lot of eye diseases you visually won't, you'll feel like, oh, my vision's fine. But a lot of eye diseases don't start to affect your eyesight until it's too late. <laughs> sure. So uh, your eye doctor is going to catch things a lot sooner and faster. Um, so unfortunately, we have people who go, you know, many years without seeing their eye doctor and they come in, it's like, oh, now you have this disease. I wish we could have caught this five years prior. Um, yeah, so th those are... Those are the two biggest things. And uh, for anybody listening, I hope that they can that they can at least uh, just think about their eyes, their vision a little bit more. It's the most precious uh, sense, I think, that we have. It is. And, By you know, far. we're at a spot in technology where, yeah, if you, you know, if you tragically lose a limb, if you lose a leg, we have prosthetic legs, we have uh, other technology to help you still live an amazing life. If you lose your eye, we don't really have a functional eye that we can just plug in there and give you eyesight sure. back yet. Maybe, yeah. maybe another hundred years, but yeah. um, we're far from that at this time. Sure. So again, I'm going to implore you to check out uh, Dr. Joseph Allen's YouTube channel. Very, very informative. Uh, it's called Dr. Eye Health. And um, I don't know if you have a website or anything like that. It's we do. You do. Why don't you yeah, drihealth.com. It's a little bit more of just oh, a blog. It's a more of a blog site and a and a place to kind of just give a little bit more information. So that that's another resource. Absolutely. I'm sure people can tell from you're very well spoken and have great information. So I, I once again I want to thank you very much for coming on the program. You're always welcome back. And I hope you have great eye health in the future. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I love that.